welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Well, welcome everyone once again. We're continuing our series through Ten Commandments, and I'm Daniel Eckberg, which you probably mostly know. And uh, again, tonight we're on the Sixth Commandment, which says, don't murder. That's the title for tonight. Do not murder. So, yeah, we're going to get started. Okay, guys, we've got a question for you. Think about this. We're going to answer it throughout the night. What is murder, and why is it wrong? If we look back over history, we see lots of evil. We see people like Hitler, who killed around 11 million people in concentration camps. That's just concentration camps. Jews and a bunch of other people. There's men like Stalin and Mao, who together killed probably like somewhere between 50 and 80 million people through their governments. That's a lot of people, 50 and 80 million people. And when we look back, when you know, modern historians look back, they say, why were these men so evil? Why? Would they kill so many people? Why would they murder them? Why would they value the life of the people in their, in their country so cheaply that it's okay to just murder them? They know it's wrong. If people look back and say, that's wrong for them to do that. And if you went around and asked any people, you know, even if they're not believers, is it wrong to murder? They'd say, yes, of course it is. But the question is, why is it wrong to murder? And if you ask... You know, an atheist, they'd say, well, because if you go around murdering everyone, then, you know, how's, how are they going to, how are you going to have peace and life? But it's like, you've got to have a better reason than just, it, 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 things won't work out well if you murder. And the Bible does give a better reason. It says it's wrong to murder because people are created in the image of God. People are created to reflect God's glory. They have worth and dignity. And so, that's what we're going to get into tonight. What murder is, why it's wrong. It's wrong because men are created in the image of God. So, my big point tonight is that at the heart of the Sixth Commandment is our duty to love, serve, and honor all people because they're created in God's image. That's a positive way of saying it. Negatively, it would be we're not supposed to harm, oppress, or demean another image bearer. So open up your Bibles to Exodus 20, and we will be getting into that very short command in verse 13. And it looks like you're all mostly getting there, so. Remember, we're going through the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments have to do with loving God. The second, the second table is the Sixth Commandments that have to do with loving who? Loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. Good job. So, we, JT did honor your father and mother last week. Love them by honoring them. This week we're doing love your neighbor by not murdering them, not killing them. So I'm going to read verse 13. Why don't we all read together? You shall not murder. Excellent job. 
So remember what I said earlier. The point tonight is that this command, it, it tells us to honor, love, and serve everyone. Regardless of who they are, what they're like, because they're all made in God's image. You probably don't see that in that verse. You just see that. So you just found that murder. Well, we're going to get into that tonight. So I have, I have three points. First is, what is the foundation of this command? Their question is, what is the foundation of this command? Second, what does it forbid? And third, how is it fulfilled? So, the first is that what is the foundation of this command? Why does God say, you shall not murder? Why is this wrong? The foundation is that we're creating God's image. I said that, but it's, it's very important. So if you go back, but God's not just saying this like out of nothing. He's, he's already given the first book of the Bible, Genesis, where it talks about how men were made in God's image. And then if you go through the story, there's the fall. And they become corrupted by sin. The earth is filled with violence. And God judges the earth by flooding it. And then after the flood, he brings Noah out. And he says, you can have animals. You can kill them. You can eat them. That's good. But you shall not kill other people. He says, whoever shed the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. So if someone kills someone, someone murders someone, they're going to be punished. Death penalty. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? Because God made man in his own image. So, it's very simple. The foundation for this command is that we are made in God's image. Everyone, as an image bearer, should be respected, should be honored, should be loved and served. We should seek to do good to them because when you hate people who are made in God's image, God takes that as a personal offense. You're hating his image, you're hating him. Just like if a, if a government sent an ambassador to a foreign country and... You mistreat that ambassador. It's like you're saying, you're mistreating that king. You're dishonoring the king. He's going to take that verbal offense, and he's going to come against you. When we sin against image bearers, we sin against God directly. So listen to this. There's some other verses in the Bible that help this. Proverbs 14.31 says this. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. So when you're oppressing, when you're abusing people who are made God's image, poor people... It doesn't matter. They're poor people. They're not worth that much. He says, you're insulting his maker. But if you're generous to them and you're helping them, you honor God. Next, you can look at Proverbs 17.5. says, whoever mocks the poor, you're making fun of them, insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. So basically he's saying in that verse, you look at a poor person or a person who's disabled, who's not as well off as you, and you make fun of them. You think, oh, that's kind of funny. They're goofy. I'm just going to make fun of them because they're not as good as me. And you mock people. He says, you're insulting God when you do that. Because they're made in God's image. And they will not go unpunished. Because they're made in God's image. That's why it's wrong to do, to murder people. To hate people. To be, hold a grudge against them. To be bitter towards them. To resent them. And to do anything that would harm them. Because people are made in God's image. And Jesus later says, Sparrows are only sold for a couple pennies, right? But your father notices when they fall from a tree. Aren't you guys of much more value than a sparrow? He says you're more valuable than a sparrow. And he also says humans are much more valuable than sheep. There's something about humans. They have honor, 
They have worth, they have dignity that sets them apart from creatures. They're kings and queens. And so when you hurt other people, it's in a direct offense against God. So just think about that to start off. What's the foundation of this command? Everyone's made in God's image. Those people at your school who aren't very smart, who are disabled, who have mental or physical defects, and everybody mocks them and makes fun of them, and maybe you guys do that. They're made in God's image. God loves them. He cares for them. Don't mock them. Don't harm them. That's the foundation of this command. Don't murder people. They're made in God's image. It doesn't matter if they're different than you. They're still image bearers. Okay, second. What does it forbid? What does this command forbid? This is where we're going to spend most of our time. It forbids three things. Evil actions, attitudes, and speech against image bearers. So I want you guys to turn to Matthew 5, 21 to 22. Matthew 5, 21 to 22. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's telling them, you guys have totally misunderstood the law. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. So I'm going to explain you what the law it really demands. So that you can see it's a lot more severe than you think it is. It has a lot higher standard than you've made it. And before I read this, I do just want to pray. Because we need God's help. So, Father, help us now. Help us to hear your word, and to love your word and treasure it, and cause those of us, all of us who have committed this sin, broken this command, to see how evil it is, and to really love people as we should. Be present with us tonight, and show us your glory, so that we might live in love for you, and love for others. Open up our eyes to see wondrous things out of your word. Amen. So Jesus says to them, You have heard that it was said to those of old. Read this part with me. You shall not murder. And whoever murders, he is not read anymore. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. You shall not murder, whoever murders will be liable to judgment. That's what you've heard that was said. And you guys think when you read that, oh, well, I'm good because I've never murdered someone. Jesus says, Hold on. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus is saying it goes more than just external things, just physical harm. If you're angry with them in your heart, if you harbor bitter thoughts, a grudge, resentment towards them, you've committed murder. And you are liable to the same judgment for murder. The judgment for murder is death. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. When we murder, we deserve death. And the wages of sin is death. He says, when you've been angry to others, you'll be liable to judgment. So that's the first. So obviously, first of all, don't murder. Any actions that physically harm other people. Don't abuse others. Don't fight with them and quarrel and try to hurt other people. And 
I'm, I'm sure that some of you guys, you still, you're in middle school, you probably get in fights with some of your students, or maybe even some people at school. I don't know. But don't harm people. They're made in God's image. And we might, we might think, but, but they provoked me. They did all these evil things. It doesn't matter. If Jesus were provoked by other people, he would not have harmed them. He would not have hurt them. He would not have called them mean names. So when we respond in that way, it shows that there's sin in our heart. So, yeah, first it, it says, don't have evil actions. Don't hurt other people. Second, don't have evil attitudes. That's clear when it says, don't be angry. It forbids all anger, evil thoughts, bitterness, resentment, disdain, contempt. And when, when Jesus goes in Matthew 15, he talks about sins that come out of the heart. And he, he goes in the order of the Ten Commandments. He says, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, um, theft, false witness, and slanders. He puts evil thoughts and murder together. They're in the same category. And evil thoughts, or whenever you look at a person who's different than you, and you just judge them. In James 2, he says, Brothers, show no partiality as you hold to the salvation that's in Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. But if you've got this poor person who comes in, he's in shabby clothing, and a rich man comes in, he's got a gold ring and all these nice things, and you say to the rich man, come, get a nice seat. And to the poor person, you can go sit to the side. You don't know, matter so much. He says, don't, aren't you showing, you're making yourselves judges, you're putting a distinction between people who are both made in God's image, and you're having evil thoughts. And then later he says, that's committing murder. So he says, don't dishonor the poor man. And so that, that is the first thing. When you look at people, maybe someone walks in at youth group, or maybe you've got friends at school, and you've got those people, they are not as pretty as you. They don't like sports like you. They're not as smart as you. And you say, well, you can't be in our friend group, or you can't, we don't want to talk to you, you're not as cool as us. They're made in God's image. Don't be showing partiality. Don't be putting distinctions. Honor everyone. And so it, it forbids evil thoughts where you're being judgmental or critical of other people and demeaning them and how you think of them. And you think, I'm so much better than them. And then it also, it forbids hatred in your heart towards others. When you refuse to forgive them and you hold a grudge against them in your heart. 1 John 3.15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. So this command forbids evil attitudes in your heart. When you either hate someone, hold a grudge against them, look down on them in your heart, or anything else. And finally, it forbids evil speech. James 3, 7 through 9 says this. Obviously, Matthew 5, 22 says, don't insult your brother. You'll be liable to the council. If you call him you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. And then James 3, 7 through 9 says this. For every kind of beast and bird, it's about the tongue. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. We're in church singing songs, praising God. And then we turn around and what do we do? We curse people who are made in the likeness of God. 
See how hypocritical that is? We're singing songs and praising God, and then we go and we get in our friend groups and we gossip about other people. And we say, look how, how bad they are. And whatever you might gossip about says you're cursing people who are made in the likeness of God. That's a personal offense against God. So it says, see how evil the tongue is. And if you go to verses like Proverbs 12, 18 and Psalm 57, 4, they say that harsh and rash words are like sword thrusts. They pierce into people's souls and hurt them. You think, I was only joking. I wasn't, I wasn't serious. If you stab someone with a sword and you say you're only joking, they're still going to bleed. They're still going to bleed. They're still going to hurt. They're still going to die. So think about that. When you speak evil words against people to their faces, you say to them, you fool, or behind their back, you gossip about them. God sees that as murder. That's breaking this command. And all over the Bible, there's places like Romans 1, 29-30, condemns all unbelievers because it says they are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. And he keeps going on. But they're gossips and slanderers. And 1 Timothy... And Titus, he also talks about women. That's just who he was, he was talking about. He says, guys, don't be slandering. Don't be gossiping. And the word for gossip that he uses is diabolos, which the only other places that's used in the Bible, so 37 times it's used. Three times it's used to say gossip. The other 37 times it's used for the word, for the name devil. When you gossip, you're looking a lot more like the devil than like God. Because the devil says in John 8, 44, there are people who hate Jesus. The Pharisees, they hate Jesus. They hate the things he's teaching. And so he says to them, why are you rejecting me? Why do you hate me? Why do you keep refusing to believe me and keep trying to kill me? He says, this is why. You are not sons of Abraham like you say you are. You are of your father, the devil. And your will... You have a free will, and here's what you want to do with it. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character because he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is a murderer. His children are murderers just like him. And when we fell into sin, we all became sons and daughters of the devil. So there's a family likeness between us and the devil. Yeah, have any of you guys ever been told by someone else that you look just like your siblings and you're like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? I look so much different than them. We do the same thing with Satan. We say, what are you talking about? I'm not like him. But it's like, well, he seeks to kill people and murder them. He speaks evil words to them and about them and accuses them and slanders them. He gossips. He lies. He practices sin, says the first John 3. He's been saying from the beginning. We look a lot more like the devil than we look like God, even though we were created in God's image. Do you see how fallen we have become? We were created to love others, to honor them, to serve them as image bearers. But instead, we slander them and gossip. Instead, we hate others and hold a grudge against them and don't forgive them. Instead, we manipulate and abuse people to get what we want out of them. So, are you a person who hurts other people or helps others? Are you a person who loves others or resents them? 
Do you demean image bearers or do you treat them with honor and dignity? Do you bring people down or lift people up? Do you expect people to serve you or do you serve others? Do you abuse and manipulate for your selfish purposes or do you seek to promote other people's good? Are you a servant or a tyrant, a life giver or a murderer, an affirmer or a gossiper, a forgiver or a judge and a critic? When we speak, act, or think it, with attitudes in our heart against people that are evil and malicious, God sees it as murder. So that's what this command is all about. It condemns all acts, attitudes, and speech against image bearers to hurt them. And we need to come to grips with how utterly lost this shows us to be. We create the love, but we hate others. And David Platt says this, when we see how lost we are, how we are murderers in our own hearts, we need more than just a superficial gospel that says, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And so just do a couple things, pray a prayer, and you'll be good. We need a better gospel than that. And the good thing is that the Bible provides a better gospel. He says this, the biblical gospel says, you are an enemy of God, dead in your sin, and in your present state of rebellion, you are not even able to see that you need life, much less to cause yourself to come to life. Therefore, you are radically dependent on God to do something in your life that you can never do. The biblical gospel starts with the bad news about how we cannot save ourselves because we're murderers in our hearts. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. And that's why we move to the third point, how is it fulfilled? How is this command fulfilled? What's its foundation? We're made in the image of God to love, honor, and serve others. How, what does it forbid? Actions, attitude, and speech that demeans or hurts other people. How is it fulfilled? It's fulfilled in Christ's loving work for us and his working love in us, putting love in our hearts. Titus 3, 3-7 says, For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving, that's who we were, living in hatred, malice, envy. But God didn't come vent of taking vengeance, although he would have been right to do so. It says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but... For his, by his own mercy. God has come to save us. And so I want you guys to turn to Ephesians 4, 31 through 5, 2. hearts have always been full of hatred ever since the fall. Always full of hatred. We hated human beings, and that showed that we really hated God. It was offense against him. And they never had the opportunity because, of course, God, God's in heaven. So you can't, you can't spit on his face. You can't mock him. You can't slander him. You can't slap him or murder him. Humans wanted to. Our own sinful hearts, every time we sin, we show 
that if we could, we would murder God. But we were never able to. But then God came down in the flesh. And it proved to all of us what was already in our heart. Because we murdered the Lord of glory. We murdered the God who made us in his image. Acts 3, 14-15 says this. It says, You denied the holy and righteous one. Instead of receiving the holy and righteous one, the God who came from heaven to love us and give us life, we, we denied him. We rejected him. What did we want instead? Barabbas. Who was Barabbas? A murderer. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. To this we are witnesses. We killed God when he came down, but he rose again. And he is now seated at God's right hand and he's offering us. Isn't that amazing? That the same act where human hatred and murderous hearts were shown to the greatest degree is also the place where God showed his heart full of mercy and love and kindness and forgiveness to sinners. We murdered him, but he gave us life in his love. We reviled him, but he did not revile in return, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He didn't take vengeance. Our hearts are naturally grudging, bitter, resentful, and unforgiving to our enemies. But he is risen and exalted at God's right hand. Jesus, offering forgiveness to all from a heart that overflows with mercy, patience, love, and compassion to his enemies in order to make us his friends. Our hearts always seek to kill those who wrong and hate us, but his heart is eager to freely offer life to all who will come to him. We oppress and crush and abuse when we can, but the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We judge people and show partiality, but Jesus came here to a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And it says in John 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's Satan. Comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus fulfills this command by coming to evil murderers and saying, I'm not going to punish you right now. I'm going to offer you mercy and forgiveness. You have made yourselves my enemy, but I will make you my friend if you will believe in me. He offers us life and life abundantly. We murder, we hate, we seek to harm people. He came to give us life. And having done that, he starts to work love in us. He did a work of love for us. Now he starts to work love in us, which means he starts to create love in our hearts. And that's what Ephesians 4, 31, 5, 2 is about. <coughs> now that Christ has loved you, has saved you, don't, don't live in mur like a murderer anymore. Put those sins away. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Those are all things that have to do with murder. Bitterness in your hearts. When you hold a grudge against people and you say, I'm not going to forgive you. And if I were a judge, I would put you to death if I could. Put it all away. Your evil intentions in your heart, that's what malice is. Instead, be kind to one another. This is the exact inverse. The exact opposite. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We continually, continually rebel against God. He forgave us. So when your siblings rebel against you, forgive them. 
<laughs> well, they don't really rebel against you because you don't have authority over them. <laughs> but when they hurt you, then they annoy you. Forgive them, as God in Christ forgave you. And it says, therefore, verse 5, verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children. See who you are. You are beloved children. You, just, you were sons of Satan before, but when you believe, you become God's beloved children. He adopts you as his children, and he loves you. So he says, he's your father. Instead of imitating Satan and being a murderer and a gossiper and an accuser and a slanderer, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as, just like who? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what, what the gospel does is it takes murderers and it makes them life givers. And it gives the life to them. And Jesus offers that life to you, so take it. And I, I want to end with just a couple things that you guys can do to start practically in your life loving others. So, first of all, when, it's only four things, so it will not be that long. <laughs> don't worry. When you see people who are disabled and are different than you, don't demean them. Don't look down on them or mock them because of their physical or mental defects. They're still created in God's image. And when people are different than you, this is number two, they're different than you in any way. They like different things. Instead of thinking, oh, those things are not as good as me, uh, as the things that I like, I'm better. Acknowledge that the differences manifest their uniqueness. God hasn't created all his image bearers the same way. And so when they're different than you, that's, that glorifies God. In different ways that God shows his beauty in different people. So when people are different than you, rejoice in it, celebrate it, love it. This third one has to do with gossip. Whenever you are with your friends and they start gossiping about someone else, or speaking evil things about them, immediately do either three things. Tell them to stop, or maybe try to change the course of the conversation, be sneaky, like, oh, I don't know, let's talk about something else. Or three, or just leave the conversation. Do not become partners in that sin of gossip. Don't become co-murderers with them. But instead expose that sin. And four, this is one that I've just been learning recently. If there are people whom you're tempted to hate or hold a grudge against, or be bitter towards, or not forgive, pray for those people. Jesus says in Luke 6, he says, pray for those who abuse you. Are there people who have abused you, who hurt you emotionally, physically, any other way? Pray for them. And pray that God would change your heart and your evil words and actions and thoughts towards them. Just think. If it's, if I'm not going to speak the word against other people, if it's not loving, if it <laughs> dishonors them, or if it goes against the golden rules, one of others is you would have to do to you. Would you want them to say that about you? Don't say it about them. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the wise instruction we find here. Pray that you would bless it. That you would show these people, these students who you love, who are made in your image, show them their sin, show me my sin, and continually grow us to see your love for us and that you died for us. 
and then to live in love for others. Bless the groups tonight as we discuss these things. And thank you. Thank you for your words. Amen.